Hello and welcome to episode 107 of the 1099 for the week of August 28th, 2017. I am your host, Josiah Renauden, and with me today is a video producer for Peanut Butter Gamer, a co-host of the Stuck Together podcast, and a friend of mine from back in the days when we had no idea what we were doing games media, which <laughs> might also still be the case now. Todd Schlickburn, Todd, how are you doing today? Hey, 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 dude. That's, that's, I, it's so funny. I always think about that too. I'm always like, dang, we both started in like... Like a closet of Dude. the internet. Like Yeah, and we're closet. still kind of semi in a closet of the internet. Like it's just like yeah. a bigger closet now. It's we both were just in that time where uh we're similar ages where we're like when we were coming up, just you, you try to do as many things as possible to find mm-hmm. your your niche, your niche, whichever one you want to use. Uh and we were just like, you know, writing for free because we didn't know better and didn't really have any <laughs> other offers anywhere else and just like putting in all of these hours to be like hopefully someone thinks we're not sucky at this and then here we are not entirely sucky at this yeah that's exactly this is exactly what happened because it was like i I, in fact i remember i I still tell this story like when i meet people or whatever to this day that like i me showing up like at like starting like with writing about video games was i just got i was just mad like i was like i i came home one day from uh, my community college, and I just realized I wasn't doing any. I play games all the time. I didn't do anything with it, so I just yep. got really angry. I'm like, why am I wasting all this experience? Like, it's fun, <laughs> sure, but like, this is something I could be channeling into something productive. And I got mad about it, and I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna write. I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm so mad. I'm gonna review indie games. <laughs> mad writing could be good writing, and like, I think that's so many people. At least I know I had a very similar case as you, where like you have all this information in your head and all this history of games and all these opinions that aren't really being channeled anywhere Mm -hmm. uh and when i was growing up i was always the i'm gonna write a book one day and then i'm gonna be a journalist for some reason i don't really know what to do with that and then had that crystallizing moment where you look at everything and you realize i know a lot about video games i think i might be an okay writer or at least have the tools to become a good writer at some point why don't i just smash these together and here we both are trying to get into an industry that's almost impossible to get into yeah. <laughs> uh, which might have been the thing that i wish someone told me at some point like dude this might be tough i was like nah i got this shit this will be easy I'll dude, be... i i was like raised in, i was raised in this might not work it's like my because my dad worked i don't even know if we talked about this before my dad worked for interplay and like oh i didn't know that yeah, he worked on Wasteland. So like I and and did not and did not make the transition to Fallout. <laughs> um <laughs> so like I know, you know, like I like literally was raised in the environment of like, hey, game game development is not, you know, always it's not necessarily easy to get into and it's not necessarily to get not necessarily easy to get anything out of. Yeah. So it's like I don't know. I was always very aware of that. My and my mom kind of like hammered that into me. She wanted me to be a software engineer because so I could like be really integral to the the game development process so it's like well you know you can't fire the engineer he made all the tools um (laughs) but like it it i don't know we 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 find our way to be around the things that we like but applying our skills in the ways that seem to make the most sense and mine apparently is (laughs) transcending a let's play into some kind of like survivor-esque reality tv show in (laughs) minecraft question mark like (laughs) you have an interesting job and that was uh there's a lot of reasons i wanted to have you back on the show because you are a return guest but like one of the main reasons was you again you work for peanut butter gamer now who has what like 1.5 
seven one point yeah he million? i think he's we're like just about we're almost at 1.8 million subscribers on the main channel and the gameplay channel is at almost 800,000 subscribers which is insane and that's why like these are some of my favorite podcasts to do is talk to people who previously are like i have this good idea or i'm good at something and i'm doing okay now but hopefully it gets better in the future and here you are now for this massive <laughs> channel with this like super successful dude so uh, just to catch everyone up and to catch me up and anyone who's listening who doesn't really know much about Peanut Butter Gamer, uh, who is he? What sort of content does he do? And what do you exactly do for him? So Peanut Butter Gamer is a YouTube channel uh, run, hosted, created by, etc. Uh, Austin Hargrave, who, and this is like, I want to say it's been like eight years almost now. This was like coming off the 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 heels of like Angry Video Game Nerd. Um, he wanted to make videos about games. So like making fun of them or showing them off, making top ten lists. Sort of the like fan content with a bit of a narrative to it um, and like a comedy like sketchy vibe that sort of is like a like kind of kind of like sitting down with the game but also still making a script that that kind of moves things forward and keep and you know ties jokes together uh while still making some points about the games that are actually like you know noteworthy like oh such and such game had bad visuals here's an example of that and I'm going to make a funny skit about it and point out why it's even funnier and uh and like how things have aged and like oh remember this I have this nostalgia and so he he definitely like Got started with a lot of that. He was on Screw Attack along with uh, Angry Video Game Nerd. Although I think I don't know, I don't know if he was ever there in like an official capacity. Yeah, like like because I know uh, Pro Jared who um, is who was definitely on Screw Attack uh, was on like they they met around that time like years ago. Um, and now and so what ended up happening is he formed this this group um, called Normal Boots. With uh, John Tron, who uh, no longer is a part of the group, mm-hmm. and that group has sort of grown to encompass people like Pro Jared, as well as other YouTube channels like um, Satchbags Goods, um, Did You Know Gaming, The Completionist, uh, and, and Continue. And uh, he, he's still he's honestly one of the things that's so nifty about Austin is that he's doing the same thing still. Like he's yeah. still finding games that he likes or that he doesn't like or that he thinks are funny uh, and finding ways to show them off in 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 a comedy sense like he he is really dedicated to just that style of video like he hasn't really changed it much he's changed what he thinks is funny and like his own personal style uh, he's increased like production values uh, even before me but then also like I was brought in to sort of help with that as well. But like he just just still wants to make fun of video games or or show them off to people. I, I don't know. It's it's something that I really appreciate about him. It's something that you do well too. Like when you think about your channel that you don't post on anymore, but like the rated uh, S for Games channel, it's looking at not always the newest games, but games that interest you in this analytical, sometimes comical way, where mm-hmm. you're really focusing on an idea. You're really not just saying. It's not a video review where you're there's bullet points of oh the graphics are good the story sucks dicks but like hey in the end like <laughs> the audio design's kind of good you look at you kind of hone in on certain points and maybe say why this was important for this type of game or maybe why it was important for you and I think that's yeah. it's something that 
fascinates me because you were talking about the style of content he does. And it's funny to be like, it, it, it's almost not modern compared to what other channels are doing. You look at Game Grumps and it's it's Let's Plays multiple a day. Uh, very often of newer ga- with newer games, uh, sometimes they'll go back to older ones that their audience sends to them. But mm-hmm. uh, someone like Peanut Butter Gamer, who has 1.5 million or more subscribers, he, he does less frequent videos that are often longer, more edited, like you said, funny, analytical, yeah. and stuff like that. Is there kind of a general thinking there, a, a sort of philosophy to how these videos are done? And is there ever any desire or maybe pressure on you guys to just be like, all right, let's do some of these more quickly, more rapid fire, <laughs> and maybe sacrifice quality, but we'll have more videos, we'll get more money out of this shit. So what's, what's and this is funny, this is, it's such, a, it's such an interesting thing. Um, I, I think I probably already told the story of how him and I like met and how I was like going into this job when we were, when I was last on. Um, but very briefly we met because I kind of like, cause I, I had my channel. I've been doing videos about games for a while. We met at a convention and uh, we started talking about Zelda. We just happened to be to, to it was just a good riff. Like it was just a good conversation with some other mm-hmm. friends of ours as well. And then like over time, uh, we just like chat every once in a while. Then Rocket League came out. We played that for like six months straight. I I was taking a break from my channel. He needed an edit- an editor um, or or an assistant, and I was like, yeah, I'll move to Seattle and finally get out of my parents' house at the age of twenty five. <laughs> yeah, sure, I'm cool with that. Um, I guess I was twenty four, but um, and like what what ended up happening was. We he wanted to stick to a schedule for that for all of this was this would have been 2016. I showed up. I came up to Washington. I got here March 1st of last year, and that was when I began working. Same day, I was staying in his place because I didn't have one or mine wasn't available yet because of whatever reason I forget. Yeah. Uh, so I was like literally there working like on my computer like in his like a guest bedroom, and um. And it was like, okay, we want to do two, you know, one video every two weeks. We want to stick to that. He's never really been good with the schedule. Uh, he's all he always has this. He has this month uh, called Zelda Month in November because Skyward Sword was coming out in November, and he wanted to celebrate Zelda in general um, before it came out, and then kind of finish it off with like a review of of Skyward Sword. This was like, you know, when Skyward Sword came out, like four years or five years ago or whatever. And then he just kind of continued it as a tradition. And so, like, we were like, okay, well, we should do, you know, a video every two weeks, and then when we get to Zelda month, like, we'll start, like, we'll be preparing ahead of that. Like, we'll we'll, we'll have it all planned out and everything, because he's never been good at it, and that month has always destroyed him. Well, what ended up happening was, we, we were able to stick to the schedule for a while, but he started to, like, he started to get, like, this fatigue, and, like... And, I almost want to say not not necessarily like idea fatigue, but just like I think his process in general, like he's he's a very kind of spacey, flighty kind of creative type. Mm-hmm. But it's but it's very pure. Like he doesn't sa- he really doesn't sacrifice what he thinks is important for the video or for his comedy. Like he doesn't you know quote unquote phone it in. Like sometimes he'll have kind of like a th- like a throwaway joke. But that's because, like, that's what he genuinely thinks is funny. He's like, oh, it'd be really funny if I just didn't have a good intro here and I just kind of, like, was silly about it. And then we'll just figure it out in editing. Because, like, I guess I guess it just comes to him that way. But the weird thing is is that I don't work like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> we're, like, we're totally antithetical in that way. And, like, I'm – I've, like – 
like my channel went through like five rebrands and I always stuck to like a very strict editing style and like even though my my personal style changed like I always made sure to have like my look be like on point and like my branding and this that and the other and he's like really he just doesn't have a, a mind for that like business wise it's just not his thing he's really just like a funny nerd who lucked out and like but but kept working and like did you know put in the work and developed his own abilities so that he could actually make a good show but like he was never in it at you know to make a business and so well, I have a, not, sorry to don't. interrupt you really quickly i it's yeah. like a semi-blunt question that like i'm not i don't think you know all of his financials and everything like that and i wouldn't ask you to out anything like that but how can you support two people on a youtube channel when it is two videos a month like is that actually sustainable or did you need that second let's play channel to make this possible because of course yeah this is my dumb youtube brain that doesn't understand youtube <laughs> in any way so in my mind i'm like if you're doing two videos a month that doesn't seem like you could ever possibly make money enough to support anything but am i entirely wrong there i mean yeah so you know he like not to out numbers or anything but like like he you know he has like a house and stuff and like it's yeah. a stable stable like living environment like he does you know he does he, like it makes like good money but it is a case of like he has the main channel which has it's it's all right so okay youtube in general has become is is as all things is becoming very algorithmic so it wants to find the best way to get advertiser money out of viewers so that means it needs to put the kinds of videos that's that each individual person likes to watch in front of them over and over and over and over and over and try to string that together as long as possible so for instance like you know we've been seeing a lot of like criticisms of youtube in you know in in light of recent like political events where you know you'll look up a video about you know some kind of problematic uh political stance and it will just give you more videos about that yeah. ad nauseum because YouTube is saying, okay, well, you're watching this. Well, it, the most that there's a highest chance that you want to watch more of this then because you just watched something about it. God, so I'll I give you another thing. Too. It is the well, worst. Just, like you said, if you, yeah. if you just want to peek at this thing that you disagree with, but you at least want to see the, like, the video to have context and suddenly you're like, why is all this bullshit streaming my entire <laughs> YouTube front page? <laughs> that's ex and that's exactly what happens because that's what YouTube – thinks makes the most sense. And so when it comes to these sorts of videos, back in the day, it was like, you know, he put up, you know, like a video on Harvest Moon, and that would just make it around YouTube, because like, he put all this time into it. And it was like a produced video, you know, it was like when big stuff on Newgrounds came out, like everybody shared it, um, not only within that environment, like on that that web page, or like in Newgrounds or in YouTube, but on social media, as fledgling as it was four or five years ago, like, but they would, you know, it would it would grow in that way. But now, like a lot of there's just so much of it and people are so used to it and they're following so many types of people who create stuff like this. You really do have to, you're, you're back to relying on YouTube. It used to be that if you liked a video, if you, like, if you had like 500,000 subs and you liked a video, the, the way that the home screen on YouTube was set up, everybody would see that you liked this video. And so yeah. in terms of finding new content, all you had to do was look at, look at, you know, content creators that you already liked. But now, you don't see that like you get your subscription feed and like you could design your YouTube to 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 see that kind of stuff or subscribe to like like you could subscribe to the liked playlist of Peanut Butter Gamer if you made it visible. 
Um, but for the most part, it's just whatever YouTube says that you want to see. Mm-hmm. So like it, what's hap- what essentially what happens is we have all, he has all of his videos attached, like, you know, like in playlists and stuff, but they're all, since they're all such a strong theme and they're all like, they're all, they're all kind of in the same realm because it's just what he likes. YouTube and it's so weird. YouTube doesn't really have a lot of things that are adjacent to it. Like if he does a video on putt putt, you know, like the humongous entertainment games, th- nobody's making videos about those except like him and like our other like c- colleagues in this community. So yeah. you pretty much you, you sort of have an uh, kind of an insular market, and it it ends up working out. And then people keep watching the videos. They watch the old ones. They watch them over and over again, like an old TV show. And that builds revenue. And YouTube says, okay, well, people are still watching these videos. They must be worth something. So we'll make them worth more. And then over time, you know, he's he is, he's basically just accumulating residuals on, like, these five-year-old videos that have, like, you know, millions of views already. And that also increases the, the CPM or cost per impression of those videos. So, so it sounds like he kind of has like an evergreen quality to a lot of what he does, maybe compared to other people where it's the impact yes. is early on and then they don't really have that long tail where the ad money comes in from any of that older stuff. It's actually a evergreen quality is a great way of putting it because that is something that he we talk about it all the time. It's something he's very conscious of. It's very intentional. Like we're not trying to make in, in general um, when he makes like his originals and stuff like that's stuff that he wants to be things that people could just watch and it'll be funny now. It'll be funny, hopefully five years from now. And it would have been, you know, potentially would have been funny five years ago. It's like, that's sort of what he's trying to to do, even though YouTube as a, you know, as social media, a lot of it is about, or a little bit, it's more like reactionary where it's like, well, you know, you can make something about something that happened yesterday and it will do really well for a week and then it'll it'll no longer be relevant because of a correction that was posted by a website or a patch added to a game or yeah. a show creator stepping off the project or whatever. That reactionary stuff does really well, but you're not going to watch it years from now. That's the thing that I think people, maybe on YouTube and even everywhere else, don't really think about is that evergreen quality because there's that opportunity to go viral that you do have where – You look at any tweet with a meme in it recently or like some sort of tweet that's just hilarious and it gets like 50,000 retweets or something like Mm -hmm. that. But it's just it's it's kind of striking gold. It's it's taking a uh, either controversial or just very in the news topic and making something out of it. And like you said, like you might get all of those views early on, but that doesn't really have that value down the road. Something with uh, this podcast, not to relate it too much to the 1099, but uh, it's I don't try to be overly you know, here's what's in the news. And I played this new game this week and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. A lot of the interviews are hopefully if you find this show based off a guest you like, you can go in the backlog and there's value in all that compared to, uh, there are a lot of popular podcasts that do lean on news of the week and lean on stuff like that, Mm -hmm. that are very valuable in that certain way. But I would assume it's hard to say like, Hey, you should definitely listen to this episode two years ago where we talked about, (laughs) you know, call of duty, black ops, two three i don't know which one they're even not three uh because you don't really care about that anymore so i Mm -hmm. I think there is value to that in youtube that you don't really think about where you give people the opportunity to go into your backlog and each video is still maybe there's a couple of references where you're like "Uh, not as funny today (laughs) now like there's some stuff that's changed but it's still evergreen enough that you could enjoy the same you know those jokes five years in the future and they still work exactly and so like in that but that's all that's all frustration right and like not to harp on it too much but that is 
why we're seeing YouTube kind of go in the direction of, you know, here's what happened very recently, or here's this thing that doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Like it, it's, it's not that it's uh, evergreen, but that it is irrespective of the times. However, mm. it's not designed to last more than one viewing. Like watching it the one time is exactly as much as many times as you need to watch it to never need to watch it again. Yeah. And like YouTube's going towards that because you can make that kind of stuff faster. Like you don't have to put as much thought into getting like one good joke that you're going to do so quickly that people will just kind of laugh at it before realizing that like maybe it's not as good or like, you know, they won't really make an impression about it, but it's entertaining. Like it's entertaining or it's relaxing or whatever it is. And like, that gets you hits like every other day or every day. And that, that keeps your, your content going. And it's all just built in through YouTube. Whereas like if, if you tried to do the kind of stuff that Austin's doing right now, like you were starting that now you'd be on Patreon because yep. people who are doing that now are all on Patreon. And like that, there's anything wrong with that. It's just a matter of like, you're trying in, in this case, Austin's benefiting from a very strong base because he's been consistent because he's stuck to his, you know, to his ideals, to what I mean, like what he wants to do hasn't really changed much in the last six years or sorry, six, eight years, I guess. Um, and so like he has that audience, like if he did a Patreon, it would, <laughs> it would do very well. well but like, again, why? well, like, but let's say you go like the Jim Sterling model where you do the Patreon and then you remove the ads from your videos that people don't have to see that. So you're not double mm-hmm. dipping. You're just going <laughs> from the support of your audience. If he did mm-hmm. that, he would, I could be wrong. I feel like you would make more money that way. Am I wrong in assuming that? Or for him, is it just, this is working the way it is. I don't want to do a Patreon. Let's keep going the way we're going. It's, it's a tough call. Uh, his audience definitely skews a little younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, there's less, maybe less potential for revenue there, um, to on a strictly business terms, revenue, huh? <laughs> uh, there's, you know, there's maybe like less potential for revenue there. He definitely, we've talked about this, but I, like, I, as somebody who works for him, uh, I, and to someone who sees like business stuff, he definitely doesn't, he's definitely not securing every, like, source of income that he could like we don't yeah. make enough shirts we don't make enough this we don't make enough that like there's definitely like ways that he he could be making more money but like it really does go back to it like he's just not that guy like he's not he's not like he just is not chasing that kind of that reward i guess from the show so it's a case of like he probably wouldn't go to patreon unless he felt like you know like his audience was like hey like you know, we think you should do this, and like we all really want to support you still, but like YouTube ads are bad or whatever, or like you know we don't because he wouldn't want to stop doing the show. He knows his audience wouldn't want to stop, wouldn't want the show to go away. He would do it if it's what was necessary to keep the show going. But I think as far as like changing for the sake of like maybe making more money, he's he you know really doesn't take those kinds of risks. Um, whereas like me, <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, I think we should <laughs> do that. Business Todd over here. Right. And like, but that's, you know, that's something that I appreciate about him, even as it, you know, potentially frustrates me sometimes because like, that's what I see. But yeah. that's, he's just a very, he's a very scrupulous man. Well, you guys also have this Let's Play channel, which mm-hmm. if you look at just the available numbers, uh, the main channel is closer to like 1.7, 1.8 million subscribers. This one's r- approaching 800,000 subscribers. But the difference mm-hmm. is instead of two videos a month, this is near daily videos so again going from maybe the outside looking in someone doesn't understand youtube economics which is a a stupid term but i'll say it anyway 
you would assume <laughs> that the one that even though it has a million fewer subscribers because you have daily uploads and you're looking at you know maybe 25 to 30 videos a month instead of two that one makes more money but is that not the case because the other the other channel has that larger audience and the evergreen videos does it actually is the 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 revenue that comes in from that bigger channel much more significant than the other one or is that data you you don't actually have on hand so i i don't uh i don't i don't get to see the the analytics i mean and, and i don't i think it, i think I think you said that I could. I just, I just, <laughs> just haven't. haven't yet. What's well, the kind of thing? I where, like, obsess I... over those kind of stats. Like, I get so in depth. You remember me from when we used to work together? Yeah. Like, I'm always yeah. in Google Analytics trying to figure out exactly what worked and why and how to, you know, get all ball which on is, that shit. Which is exactly what I would do. And I think, you know, it's but it's not my it's not my place necessarily at like you know in my current job description yep. to do all that. And so I I avoid it just for the sake of us not having unnecessary conflict or like me getting too involved in like what is essentially still a personality channel like his main channel but from what i understand and like our discussions it does seem like the mate like the two channels make about the same assuming that we're still putting like you know like it's been a good month in terms of we put out like two videos on the main channel um on average but the big thing is the main channel has been around for so long and it has so much recognition um, especially within our community that he gets really, you know, he gets like big brand deals on the main channel. And so like, mm -hmm. those are the kinds of things that like, you know, that brings in a lot of money because, you know, Ubisoft or whomever having to pay just one person, one person who then pays a second person to do, to do like basically to be like, play our game, then say some words about it for like five minutes and then say that it was, you know, brought to you by Ubisoft or whatever, like that costs them almost nothing compared to like trying to get like a whole, like big marketing campaign, et cetera, et cetera. Like that's yeah. like your grassroots, whatever kind of thing where it's like, yeah, just there's someone that people like who people like says what they think about this game that's worth, you know, a pretty good, like, that. that's not too expensive for us, but, you know, between Austin and I, that's, like, a pretty good chunk of, of, of change. Yeah. But the main, the, the gameplay channel is, like, raw people showing up. Like, we don't have any brand deals on it right now, uh, not that we couldn't, but it's something we haven't really pursued, uh, or he hasn't, and it's all just, like, whoever shows up. It's all just, uh, you know, like viewers and, and how many, like watch, like watch time, overall watch time is a big factor into CPM. So like, for instance, to explain cost per impressions, I don't think I did earlier. If you like, so like when you're watching a video, you get an ad, uh, somewhere, sometimes like sometimes you'll get an ad, sometimes you won't. If you have like a five minute video and they have it monetized, you're probably going to get an ad at the beginning. It may be skippable. It might not. YouTubers actually can control, for the most part, what kind of ads they get. Not necessarily who the ads are. Like, I can't be like, only Geico ads. But you yeah. can be like, no like no skippable ads and stuff like that. And that changes the, the CPM of your video because it's like, oh, okay, well, you're only going to have these kinds of ads. Well, these ads are worth more money because the advertisers put in more money, etc., etc. Um, you'll see a lot of videos go over 10 minutes specifically because after 10 minutes, you have post-roll ads. So you'll have an ad at the beginning of the video, and then you have an ad at the end of the video. Like, just, like, if once it's, you know, fully watched, it'll just play another ad if you stay on the screen. Mm -hmm. So that's another, that's two ads on the video. There's also mid-roll ads. So I think after 10 minutes, you can put in one mid-roll ad somewhere that you place physically into the video, and it just cuts out of what you're watching into an ad overlay. Uh, for most, like I said, sometimes you don't get an ad, sometimes you do. 
Um, and those also raise your CPM a lot. So if you see like a three, a 30 minute, you know, five nights at Freddy, I guess no one, I guess that's gone now. Is that out of vogue? I don't, it's, I, I don't I even think know. so at this point. Like I still feel like there's people who still bank on the watch me scream in front of a camera, but I finally think they stopped making those games. It got up to like four or something like that. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, was intense. Insane. And like, you know, again, like. We don't really participate in like fads just because he's like, well, I don't think it's interesting to me personally. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so like, like if you see like really long videos and it's got a bunch of little yellow dots on the uh, on the play on the playback line at the bottom of the video, those are all mid rolls, and that video is probably worth a lot of money, like relative to like you know five minutes of hey guys, I got a donut today. I'm gonna talk to you about my donut. Uh, I would watch the hell icing. out of that video. That's that's a high valued video. I don't know what you're talking about. Like this one has cream in it. This is my bear claw review. I'm also gonna pair it with this Tim Hortons coffee. Here we go. I'm cutting this part out of the Man. podcast so I can keep this idea for myself. No one. <laughs> you know what I say? It's you know it worked out for you so far. I, it sounds like you've got a you've got a good head for this stuff. I think donut reviews. Could I call are, it like a hot future. cup of Joe or something to that effect? <laughs> like I feel like there's a brand opportunity here where I need to figure out a way to put donuts in there, but yeah. we'll, we'll workshop this. This is this is a holistic idea. I think it's like everything. The whole the whole concept works well for you. I think it you does. You might have to, have to move to Jacksonville. Out. I think you're actually. I'm like. <laughs> Po- poaching you from this job at this point don't tell anyone that. i'm also also removing this part from the podcast <laughs> um but but yeah so like youtube definitely has mechanics in terms of how you how to make money and, and it is driving what you're seeing on youtube like that's why short videos like uh, a lot of animators were very fright like there was a kind of like an upheaval against youtube like a few years ago when the uh when the algorithm started allegedly youtube doesn't tell us this stuff of course uh people like people like matt pat who runs game theory do all this theory like this they they test all these things to see if they can figure out the numbers um figured out that like youtube was valuing watch time in terms of sessions so if you watched like uh the show that i produce on P- the pbg gameplay channel which is uh, hardcore if mm-hmm. you watch the whole season especially like like season like the one the the most recent one which is 24 episodes of mostly 20 minute each episodes that's huge that that is a big deal if you watch that front to back in, in one sitting first of all don't do that like you should do something <laughs> else it's, it's like way too much time but second of all that'd be worth a lot of money because youtube says wow not only did you watch all these videos which each have you know um, front and post roll ads. Some of them had mid roll ads, but you watched it all in one session. That's a lot of repet, like repeated, you know, viewings of ads and stuff like that. So they're saying, "Wow, okay, this 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 person made a lot of money uh, for us in this series. So this series is worth more." And all of the videos that are similar to this, we think, are also now worth more as well because we want to show those to more people, and thus we want to incentivize creating that stuff. So we pay more for them. And then all of that gets sent to – it would get sent to Austin directly, but he has – he's part of a network, uh, a multi-channel network or MCN. He was, he's signed with Maker, who is owned by Disney, and they take a cut of his profits um, after YouTube takes their their cut of his profits. And then he gets all of it, and then he pays me my salary – or I wouldn't – I don't know if it's salary technically – 
uh, my, my appointment is kind of a confusing <laughs> thing. Yeah. He pays he pays me my monies. And then he also, the gameplay channel also has another editor, as well as uh, Jeff, who is part of the PB and Jeff show and was the previous editor. So he gets paid also. So there's actually four of us wow. on the on the payroll ish there. It's a it's a, like a whole thing. Yeah, that's more than I thought there were. It's it, mm-hmm. it's so crazy. If you would tell anyone above the age of like 40 about all this stuff, they would think <laughs> you're lying to you. Uh, when I talked to uh, my good friend Jake Baldino, who's been on this podcast maybe thirty times, uh, <laughs> he, you know he, t- he took game ranks from kind of nothing with that YouTube channel to now they're at like three point five or four million or something like yeah, that subscribers, yeah. which is insane. And they're employing three people full time, and I, it's hard to wrap your head around that as someone who's not in that world to understand. It's a lot of hard work. It's not like they're just making videos. Like, no, there's a lot that goes into that, the editing, the everything surrounding it. But it's so crazy that we're able to see these channels employ large groups of people it's like a mm-hmm. mini company that just lives on youtube very often and which has to be somewhat terrifying because like if suddenly the yes. ad model crashes <laughs> to a point you're like oh none of this works anymore this is now i'm now relying on someone else to do this uh, you mentioned the the brand deals and sponsored things which is something i want to dig into a little bit because mm-hmm. that has to be a difficult balance to to kind of split between regular content and stuff that your audience does know from the very jump there's that initial like this video is brought to you by this or you know they flew me out somewhere or something like that is mm-hmm. there ever mm-hmm. any fear that you do too much sponsor stuff and push certain people away and they think you know like oh this is i'm being marketed to this isn't the personality I knew and loved before. This is someone who is doing things that maybe have to kind of have a positive sin because there is that marketing deal. And of course you're not journalists. So I don't think there's like an ethical dilemma Mm -hmm. here in any way like that. It's never the way I look at it, but is this something you think about? Uh, Maybe even if you get a good opportunity, sometimes you have to say no to that stuff because you don't (laughs) want people to be driven away. Yeah. I mean, in, in general, since we only mo- like mostly do brand deals on the main channel, it's usually just up, just like at Austin's discretion. Also, because like he's the one who, who usually has to do stuff for them. Yeah. Um. But like, like it, whenever we've talked about it, it's you know it's been a case of like he doesn't want too many videos with with sponsorships or that are just entirely brand deals in a row like he doesn't want that and it's he's very conscious of when it's happening especially because it happens mostly like during summer because summer is con time people are flying around so companies like fly people out there's e3 there's all these other conventions there's packs so it happens it tends to happen right around now um which is interesting because cpm is better is best towards the holidays at the end of the year because that's when people are spending money so like you kind of have this this dip where in the win in like winter spring money's like not even that great period mm. um and then there's brand deal time and then there's good cpm time so there's a, we we always put out way more original and like we will have videos that just aren't brand deals at all or they're just like you know there'll be stuff like audible where it's like this video is brought to you by audible.com read a book without reading and it's like <laughs> you know just that's stuff the like worst that. slogan ever <laughs> <laughs> well audible's not gonna hire me yeah i was gonna but, say you yeah. might not want to <laughs> might not be able to write copy for audible in the future like hey do you want to read but can't really read here you go like uh... <laughs> i mean depending on how you on how you package that that might yeah. actually be appealing. well maybe again we can workshop this <laughs> But uh but yeah so I there definitely is an awareness of like how it affects people and and no ma- I mean oh, Austin has a 
that's a pretty nice audience, but like even even then, like there's still pushback, especially like especially when you when a video just shows up via YouTube. So when it's like you know he made like a video about Arms, which is like a recent release from Nintendo, and they you know, there, there are people who are like who would just show up for the Arms review. Like to see, like, oh, like this is just a video about arms. They don't know who who Austin is, or 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 aren't familiar with this content, and they're kind of just like, oh, like this is just sort of, ah, oh, like you just got sent the game. Okay, you're not like a you're not like a journalist. You're not like a critic. Like this isn't like your your thing. Like you show up for. And admittedly, like Nintendo doesn't didn't pay for us to make a video about arms. Like Austin just was like, oh, this game seems fun. Like I'll we'll make a video about it. But it is a case of like people get aware of when it's not a idea from him motivated by making the video exclusively like just he just wanted to do it and it was his own thing and that was it front to back and like even like even if there is like an audible spot on it which is like a like a short bit or you just you know hey this was brought to you by this um people don't really mind that as long as the whole idea was like his and he had like passion for it that's what that's what people care about the most so like if he's if he does a brand deal where he has to like do a whole thing about a whole game and they paid him for it, then people are like at maximum cynicism and they you know assume that he's like there's like oh like he could be lying or whatever like he's been you know bought out or you know he's sold out or whatever. Yeah. And there's always that backlash and it's it's really it's just not the case. Like it's just it's just sometimes yeah the the dollar signs are pretty big. <laughs> and you know he does have to pay me, and and in other cases he has to pay other people, and it's like, yeah, yeah, you got you got to make those videos sometimes. And like, if if it's if it's a really bad fit, he won't do it. He's passed up, whew, he's passed a lot. up some pretty, he's passed up some pretty like big dollar signs for things that he was like, no, this is my audience would not like this. I don't like this. This would this would affect my channel too much in the long term because sometimes a video comes out and like if you can't follow up a, a series of brand deals or even just one brand deal with a nice video that affects people like people you know it's not just like you wake up one day and suddenly you're not interested in the channel anymore it's it's been a month and you've seen four videos about assassin's creed and you're like yeah but you don't play assassin's creed normally you don't even play it you're not even playing this game still yeah so this was just brand deals and like you know suddenly you've moved on to a different channel that's the thing about youtube that's always so weird to me because it's a lot of it's you really have to know who you're watching very often to get an idea of what they're saying is genuine because if Mm. someone does a brand deal with ubisoft and like hey we're gonna fly you out to play assassin's creed or we're gonna we have this idea we want you to do about assassin's creed i would assume if they're i'm I'm making up numbers this is monopoly money i'm talking about but let's say ubisoft (laughs) is like content creator x with three million subscribers here's fifty thousand dollars to do this video about assassin's creed i'm assuming there is an obligation to just kind of show it in a positive light i would assume that if you're paying fifty thousand dollars you can't play the game and suddenly be like oh by the way this new assassin's creed sucks like if you do that what Mm. is ubisoft doing with their money so for him i'm not saying he's sitting there lying because i think what you have to do is you look at arms or maybe let's say he loves splatoon 2 and nintendo's Mm. like we're gonna fly you out or we're gonna do some sort of deal where you're paid for this I would assume he's only taking that because he knows that he already likes Splatoon and wants to do content on it. Is that usually the case where he only takes those things because he knows, like, if I'm being paid, I know I have to say something mostly positive, but I want that positivity to be genuine and not this feigned interest in the newest Call of Duty? I think in in terms of, like, there's usually a split. Like, for the most part, if he gets a game and he wants to cover the game, it is because 
he just likes it and he and he's not paid for it they just send him the game um and he has to disclose that obviously but for the most part if he's if he's doing a video on a game he didn't get paid for it um but if he did it would definitely be a case of like not really talking about it in terms of buy it or don't buy it, just sort of talking about his experience with it and trying to make the same jokes that he makes for other games just about this, like, newer game, which uh, it, which is part of why those videos tend to be shorter and not get received as well, regardless of what people feel like his stance might be on these things. It's like, you know, this is a case of... He he thought of as much stuff as he could. There's like less time. He didn't really get to think about whether or not he was gonna like how the video might go. Yep. He didn't get to like workshop jokes ahead of time. So it's like shorter videos, but he you know still like you still put as much effort into it as you can. It's it's just something that always fascinates me. Just the idea of like suddenly you're gonna pop into this YouTuber's channel and see a video where like oh I want to know more about this game. And then you see that you know sponsored by at the start. You're like all right, mm-hmm. do I now need to trust that this person is giving their honest opinion or if they're being you know like you said that you feel like well at least like like I said earlier you feel like you almost have to say something positive. It, it sounds yeah. it would be very bad if I doubt you'd have future business deals if you shit all over someone's game and you're like also please give me the check for talking about it. <laughs> like that's not exactly something that will always work out. Um, no, yeah. sort of pivoting here for a second because you talked about John Tron a little bit earlier and I don't want to get too much into that whole situation, but. Uh, both you and Austin are pretty liberal guys. Uh, if you look mm-hmm. at either of your Twitter accounts, I mean, you don't exclusively talk about politics, but it's nearly impossible to not talk about politics to some extent with mm-hmm. the way things are right now. Like, you can say as much as you want, like, stick to games, bro. But, like, when every day is, like, this existential crisis yeah. where you're like, everything could go terribly today, it's hard to not comment on it in some way. And sometimes, especially if you have this bigger voice, you almost feel an obligation to be like, hey, this this is not okay. Like, I don't want to get mm-hmm. like stuff like that. So, is there is there ever any fear from either of you of possibly losing any subscribers? Which I'm not trying to get overly businessy, but subscribers equals views, views right. equals money, stuff like that. Right. When you are speaking out on these things that are so divisive, that are often hard to talk about. I mean, again, like when you look at the Jontron situation, when you say. Things of that nature, I don't feel bad for you if you lose subscribers and you lose an audience because that's just like <laughs> stuff where it's like, look, dude, like that's not, this is not like an okay idea to, to voice. I don't think this is okay. But like, you know, with, yeah. you, with you guys talking, you know, maybe speaking against Trump or speaking against uh, the Muslim ban or speaking against different things like that, is there ever anything in the back of your head worried about, well, the, YouTube is already kind of this. Uh, this tightrope we're walking, is this going to be something that affects us? Or at this point, is it more important just to be honest with who you are and your audience? The way, the way I look at it, and, it, and it's different, um, I will just say at the, like, the top of all of this, uh, Austin and I are very different people still. Mm-hmm. And like in terms of the channel, we can absolutely both say things that would affect the channel. But I am infinitely smaller than he is in in the eyes of his audience and of and of even of the stuff that I directly have have control over and all of my input it it really doesn't matter quite as much what I do or what I say yeah. and from conversations I've had with him it does seem like you know he he wants to pick his battles in terms of like the stuff that he that he says and when he says it and how he says it and he's very careful to say things in a particular in a in a particular fashion without having to compromise his ideals um but that being said i think that when it comes to uh 
like for both of us, there is an understanding that regardless of how like of of any kind of like backlash from subscribers, it's it's almost entirely worth it to reassure everybody else that it's uh, that this is like a place that you belong. Yeah. Like this is somewhere that you are valued and that we're not going to, you know, say like we're it's not say hateful things or be complicit in the saying of hateful things. And um so to and to be clear, this this from now, from now on is just me. Um yeah. I like I I don't I was never okay with anything about what what John Tron was saying. This the kind of crap that he was spewing was like exactly the kind of caustic shit that people dog YouTube for helping grow. And like yeah. to me, when you're when you're part of a community of that, that makes videos that are comedy, that are fun, and that are absolutely get make their way to kids, like you have a responsibility to be well researched before you say shit like that. And like all of the all the stuff he was talking about was entirely it, it sounded almost exactly like it was taken straight from like Breitbart, and like that's regardless of like him as a person, which I've I've only met him a couple times. Regardless of who he is, it, it doesn't matter anymore. Like what what matters is what you're saying, and the people listen to you. And yeah. so, for him to say that kind of stuff is entirely irresponsible. And it's the kind of thing where like yeah, but he's just a guy or he's just a person. Like yeah, we all are though. Like even Trump is just a person. But that but this the fact like the idea that there's no accountability there just because we're on like this fun platform of YouTube is ridiculous. Like people. Especially now, people are taking this stuff really, really seriously. And there are yeah. people who have, like, as, as we're discussing right now, their whole livelihoods are through YouTube. So, like, it's, it's saying something on Twitter is, ex- is almost exactly the same thing as saying it in the office, like, to your whatever 400 other employees. Like, it's, it's almost the exact same thing because it's just more visible now. And there's no HR for your house so HR is the Twitter mob. Like <laughs> they are the ones who hold you accountable. And regardless of how you feel about the world and the things that you say, like if you're, you know, more conservative or if you're actually straight up hateful, then, you know, a, that there will be a response there. And if you are, you know, trying to be compassionate and, you know, speaking maybe like for stuff that's more on the left, then you there's still a response there. Like people will still you'll lose subscribers either way but it's really it's like that's sort of the fixation when the reality is is that you're telling the audience you have that you care about that they belong there and those people will feel better for it and those are the things that you should care about like even if you're like a hateful person you should care about all of your hateful friends (laughs) (laughs) you should make a safe space for your hatred hateful people like that's what we all endeavor to do regardless of how we feel the accountability is something that's so fascinating to me because we are in we're in bizarre times and you can say that almost any time in your life but in (laughs) in terms of now more than ever there's these people who never had a real voice uh at least not like the megaphone that a lot of youtubers have now where they they start getting a fan base they get bigger and they still think of themselves like oh i'm just a regular person Mm -hmm. but you got to realize when you have two three four million subscribers your voice is gonna have to millions of people you can't just use the excuse of like oh i'm just saying what i feel like you know people aren't gonna listen to me like no what you say matters when you Mm -hmm. have that sort of an audience who takes your shit seriously and uh there's an example I've, i've used with friends in the past where like 
So Joe Rogan, who everyone knows has this major podcast and we'll just always talk about how like, oh, I'm not really that important. I'm just talking to people. And sometimes he talks to people and I really enjoy what he says. Other times Alex Jones is on there and you're like, Mm. dude, this is going to get out to let's say 20 million people. Um, Mm -hmm. Or he'll randomly start kind of going off about like during the election about like, oh, Hillary Clinton almost passed out the other day. I don't think she's healthy enough to do that. The off (laughs) the offhand comments like that from people who have the reach to millions and maybe even tens of millions of people that shit matters like you have to consider that stuff you do have this sort of responsibility to not spread false shit and to think about what you're saying and when your audience Mm -hmm. is younger you're influencing people often more than people who are on tv like those are reaching Mm -hmm. more than random like different things on cable right now these youtube videos these podcasts these clips that you can like spread all over the place they're Mm -hmm. getting out there and we're just not used to it because we think you can just kind of say anything into the void and like oh it doesn't really matter but the bigger your audience and especially the younger the audience the more that shit matters that shit means stuff to people it could change their mind about really important things and if you're spreading it through false information how harmful is that we don't quite know yet but i think it's pretty damn harmful I and I agree and it's the kind of thing where like people get it, it's it's a very it's a very different space to be in because you know there are tons of actors um for for instance like Adam Baldwin who yeah. nobody well, nobody would have known that he was like just raving piece of shit until GamerGate happened and he was on Twitter saying things that literally named the entire the entire debacle like yeah. It was like, wait, what? This guy is what a like, fucking weird world, right? Like James right, Woods yeah, right now Jay- going off on free speech, where it's like, what? What are you talking about, James Woods? Exactly, exactly. And it's the kind of thing where like that was that's unprecedented. But then people people aren't looking at it for what it is, which is the re- which is that the conversations that you've had at dinner, all the jokes about like, oh, racist grandma or whatever, like, oh, I hate seeing my parents at Thanksgiving because they're racist, or like, I'm gay and they're and, like they are homophobic or whatever the case is that you that people talk about, and there's like this narrative that we've all heard. Those conversations are happening on Twitter publicly for everybody to happen, and it's not between grandparents anymore. It's between people who you've never met, people yeah. who haven't had the life experience experiences that you have then it's the kind of thing where like for some reason there's this idea that no wait that's not actually how this should be like we should be able to put those conversations in one box and put the very serious political conversations in a different box and those only happen on the stage on the debate stage or on the news or etc or with politicians and it's like no people have always talked about this kinds of stuff and now that we have youtube now that we have social media you're just you're it's the accountability is everybody else the people who you are accountable to in the first place the reason that you don't red run red lights when you're driving same reason that you don't spread hateful shit on twitter and on youtube and use your platforms or misuse your platforms to be irresponsible with things that you're saying because it has just as much impact yeah it's the same thing like we're beholden to each other in the same way but for some reason there's still this idea that like twitter or whatever is is frivolous and i think it's i just think it's nonsense it's the frivolity that people treat it as that really makes it so crazy because i i don't think we should police the entire internet i'm not saying that i'm not saying you should like get in trouble every time you have a stupid opinion if you have like a dangerous opinion you're you know harassing people then yes you should get in trouble but there's, i do there's think terms of service totally uh, not that twitter ever seems to actually follow those but like it, i no. think we need to get, get to a point where we understand this stuff matters. You're not just yeah. yelling at the clouds. Like what you say, yeah. the bigger you get, the more people follow you. You can't, you just got to think a little bit more. And yeah, I think a lot of the, 
I think you're right that you, with this kind of stuff, you're going to lose people on either side no matter what you say when you have mm-hmm. a YouTube channel and stuff like that. But the most important thing is just like be honest with it but also understand the the gravity of what you say. Because like I said, yeah. with, with the YouTube stuff, these YouTube stars – uh, these these influencers, these people on Instagram that have millions and millions of followers, they are bigger than a lot of people on TV, and we just a lot of people don't realize that yet because it's so. They new. put those people on TV. Yeah, like Disney Disney straight up like has maker people who are on Maker show up on the Disney Channel every once in a while. I don't know the whole the whole you know shtick of it, but like that's a regular thing now. Like, that and that's probably a downgrade out. from the audience they get on any of their other platforms. Like that TV audience yeah. is actually smaller. It's just introducing other people who don't know what the internet is yet. Like my mom yeah. uh so it's, just, it's it's such a weird spot right now and i guess yeah the most important thing for me as i'm watching all this is just like please people just realize that you, what you say actually matters like you can't yeah. just spout shit and expect no consequences or yeah expect that you know what you say isn't going to carry uh to pivot to maybe 180 degrees from that um <laughs> nah, it's kind of saying it's on the same realm I, when you were doing raid s games you were the the voice of it. You were on screen very often. You were, you know, it was your channel, so your personality really came through. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that something you miss at all? I'm not saying like you're never going to do anything like that again, but now that you are kind of editing and to a certain extent behind the scenes and working for a dude with an awesome personality and has this great channel, mm-hmm. but is there part of you every once in a while that's like, man, it'd be cool to kind of really do my own shit and really have certain ideas that I want to get out there happen and me be the person who's delivering that message? Yeah, um, it is. It's it's the kind of thing where one of the reasons that I left my channel in the first place is because I realized I didn't I didn't need to be the person I didn't need to be a personality and like I I arguably like I could like I could pursue that if I wanted to like I could do streaming I could make, I could do videos I could just have you know maybe less produced content and I could be making stuff like every other day and have that kind of channel and be that kind of person and honestly I don't think there's anything wrong with that like that's something that I feel like if I really wanted to I would pursue it and I would do it just as responsibly as I do anything else but what I want is to be a collaborator. What yeah. I want to do is work with other people, share their vision, and get to influence the final product with my own, with with my hands as well as with theirs. And so, like with, with the main channel stuff, like honestly, it's pretty hands off. Like I I I help him in the moment. Like sometimes he'll be, he'll have something in the script, and I think like, oh, well, let's 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 say it this way, or maybe like try this inflection or whatever. Like while we're filming, like and I'll be recording. Like I have the camera and everything, and I'll be like, oh, like try this, try that. And sometimes that stuff makes it in. Like there there are parts of scripts of videos, usually like one or two things every you know every other video or so. That that have had like my touch in some way, but that's really just in the form of like comedy or like in approach or style or just the fact that I had an idea that that you know I was the person in the room who heard who heard the the way it came out and was like oh well maybe try some other thing that would have been obvious mm-hmm. you know if he had had a backboard there in the in the first place, um, but like like you know like like with hardcore like that's kind of why I've latched onto it so much um, is. I get to, like, show off, like, friendship and camaraderie and, like, focusing on, like, a goal and, like, giving greater impact to people, like, dying on the show and stuff like that rather than just in, like, a Let's Play where it's kind of, like, a funny thing and, like, you know, we... we they they sort of create that environment on their own while they're playing, but as the editor and as the producer, I can I can make it more important or less important as I want to. And like if I want someone dying to be something that like people are like get really invested in, like I will do that. And it's the kind of thing where like 
to me, and this is sort of a reach, and like, and obviously we're still working on the show, and like I'm still trying to come up with ways to make it more impactful and more human beyond just like nerds playing playing Minecraft. <laughs> Um, which not that there's anything wrong with that in, in and of itself, but like, I want it to be something that people think about as like the, the ties between these people are like important and that you should, you should be okay with, with, uh, with appreciating that. Like, like when people, sometimes like people will, will, will die and like the seasons I've edited and people are like, Oh my God, like I almost cried or whatever. And like, it's like people get that kind of worked up over like, you know, over like survivor and stuff like that. But one of the advantages of of Minecraft and of this environment is that it has so much in it mm. that like all I have to do is give them something fun to do and they'll care about it on their own and like they'll take care of each other in the game on their own like when you play, like when you play co-op with like your best friend or your spouse or whomever you like you know you want to take care of them or you want to help them out or whatever and like Sometimes, sometimes it's more fun and you goof around. Sometimes you get really serious and you want to play together and you want to win. And like, that's something that is actually, that I think is very human and it's very like, it's like, it's compassion. Like, and it's, and it's important to show that it's, it's okay to care about that kind of stuff. So I feel like the more serious I make the show, the more I'm indicating to people that no, like, this is what we want it to be. Like, not just like people, like, if you want to just watch people like just playing games or whatever. First of all, we have that in PB and Jeff. Like, that yeah. show is what that is. It's just two friends playing games. But then there's also channels like Game Grumps or whatever. Like, you can watch those. And they're kind of, like, fun background noise or whatever. But, like, this is a show. And that's something that is very me. Like, that was something that I pushed for. And so, in a way, like, that's what the, that's how I get to have my voice on someone else's channel. Which is just, you know, he said, do do what you think like what you think would be best for the show and people seem to like it. Yeah. That's, that's always the stuff that when you were doing uh raid S games or when you were, you know, working for stick skills or d- different times we worked together in the past, that's always stuff I appreciate that you did about like understanding that when you're making, especially when you're making videos, just doing the things that everyone else is doing isn't the best route. Where like you said, right. that stuff, that stuff's out there already. Like it's cool because he has this audience already People will watch his Let's Plays, of course, because they care about what he says. But if you're just some new person getting into YouTube, to just be another Let's Play channel makes no sense. Mm -hmm. Um, It's something that Mm -hmm. if I ever get emails for like, hey, can you give me some advice for getting into podcasting or getting into games and media or something similar to that? Almost the first thing I say every time is kind of make a case for why people want to either read what you're doing or watch what you're doing or listen to what you're doing other than like, oh, it's going to be good. Because that doesn't work to just say, like, for me, if I did a podcast that was just a weekly, here's the news and here's what I'm playing. Why the hell would people want to listen to what Josiah mm-hmm. is playing on a random Tuesday if they have no idea who the hell I am? Uh, mm-hmm. And in the same way of what you're saying, where why do the same videos when you can add something to it, add a human element, add an element that makes it different, makes it stand out. And that's not easy. Like, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean to say to make that sound trivial where I'm just saying, go do something no one else has done because everyone would be doing that if it was that easy but you have to look at it from that angle of if i'm going to do this why should why should people care that's the main thing i think you should always ask yourself when you're doing anything creative is why if i was on the outside looking in why would i care about the stuff i'm doing what is my audience like and very often i think that's what you do best so it's cool you still have that outlet there yeah and like and see and that is but that is exactly it like if you look at you know, <laughs> just to go back to it, if you look at the two of us, 
it, our history in this space is like not one of failure, yeah. but realistically, it is one of like more of the same. Like we started out just covering games, like every other like blog or mm. or game website covered games. But I mean, like like between even between like between you and I, we've transcended. But you even look at like Doug, like who was who was our editor in chief at Stick Skills until yeah. he took over. He's do he's doing his own thing, and like he's found something that he thinks is important and unique enough that the the his audience has said okay well like this show should be bigger and so like with just in in the same vein like i'm over here like well i had my whole channel for four years and it really didn't get that big like if you want to look at it in terms of like did that channel succeed it didn't in the metrics it didn't on youtube but for me it did exactly what i wanted it to do and i set out i said i want to understand game design better and i want to challenge myself to do that by putting out what i think what i what the conclusions i come to are i want to put those out there for people to evaluate and they did and i learned a lot and that sort of thinking is what's led to me being you know able to do this job it's like even though they're not a, it's not about game design it's about show production and understanding pacing and stuff it was all about ex- examining intent that allowed me to understand how to make a show about like a, a let's play into a show yeah and like to me that's what that's why you try things so like even if you do make a let's play show and your let's play show is just like everyone else's let's play show examine it like, examine it for intent why are you doing it what do you want to do do you want to if you want to just be like a famous person who who's made makes a living off of being famous that's fine just make sure that you know that that's what you're doing yeah and that's like you said when you think back to when our our upbringing in terms of this industry was very much the same as everyone else it's make a small website get some talented people and start covering games start writing news start doing things that have worked for other people and i do think i wouldn't call any of that stuff failure like you said like it's not exactly a failure but all of that stuff helps you understand maybe what you really want to do or how Mm -hmm. to angle your content in a way that i hate using the word content it sounds so businessy how to angle like what you're doing in a way that works for you sometimes you have to understand why the regular stuff out there that works works and then also understand okay cool but how can i spin this or how can i go in a different direction that i can look at what worked in the same way you looked at your old channel and figured out like all right i can kind of parlay this into something and same thing when i was doing stick skills where i'm like all right i think i know what i'm good at in this space let's move on and try to do something at a game spot and ign and then you go from there and say okay my favorite stuff was telling people's stories and talking developers let's make a podcast just about that where you're able to take a lot of information and do something that no one else is doing based on doing what everyone else has already done uh see exactly 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 that's what always that's that's how i always look back on that stuff where it's it's giving me that sort of value where you know now i know where not just my you know quote-unquote skills lie in that area but what gets me excited when you do a little bit Mm. of everything you get the opportunity to realize like oh maybe i don't like doing this part as much like writing news yes see and that's the thing i think people it's it's frustrating to me because like youtube is so visible and social media is so visible and you see a lot of people like like you know like austin who ostensibly do everything like it's like oh wow like you know he's got the stream he makes the youtube video he's got a gameplay channel but like if you peel it back no he doesn't like hardcore only exists like it does now because i literally bothered him about it for months saying bring it back give it to me like that the show doesn't exist it's not you know in 
it's his thing because he created it, but it's my thing because of what it is now. Like I shaped it, and yeah. I and I don't do rated S anymore because that's not that's just not where I applied best. And like Austin's best application is writing and forming like forming in these comedy videos. Like that is his thing. That is where he excels. And if you look at like all most of everybody's favorite things, they're created by multiple people and like specialists and people who like they find things they're really good at they direct all their force at that and then someone else does their graphics or someone else yeah. does the editing or someone else you know set like sets up their sets etc like it's 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 nice to do everything like if you can but if you if you i don't know i feel like it's it's easier to find success when you realize what you're best at and just bet on yourself. Yeah. Hone in on that and the outside stuff. Maybe you do like in his case, hire other people or find other friends who can help kind of amplify what you're good at and they can, you can mm-hmm. pair with what they're good at. Uh, and that's, I mean, back in the day, that's even if that's their stick skills didn't become this massive site. That's what we ended up kind of figuring out was like, Oh, everyone's good at certain things. Let's just team up and do this. And I think later in life, you know, that you keep honing in on that. You keep refining that until you have, this really cool idea and yeah that's one it's still exactly. fun for me looking back on that and being like you know we were <laughs> like late teens early 20s and writing on this site and suddenly it's like oh now doug who was the founder has like a nearly hundred thousand subscriber youtube channel he created out of nothing and mm-hmm. you know you're doing what you're doing out in uh with peanut butter gamer and you look at like dylan's the another one of the writers we worked with is like this managing editor for hearthhead and then there's like yeah, Nick, yeah. another guy who we worked with who's now at harmonics and yeah it's it's always fun. It's it's really cool to see that stuff and you're like yeah to, to see these people who you came up doing the exact same thing and suddenly they're doing awesome shit. That's one of the most rewarding yeah. things out of that entire experience. Uh, really quick, I was gonna have you list your favorite indie games of the year, but I think that might take <laughs> a long time. So let me just really quick ask you if you had to name. I'm just completely throwing this on you. If you had to name a game of the year right now uh, that you've actually played this year, what would you? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Dang. I mean, it's tough because right now I'm playing a lot of Splatoon 2 and that's like just immediately, yeah. like immediately what, what comes to mind. Um, dang. What? There's a lot of Splatoon games. 2 is up there games. though. Yeah. Splatoon, Splatoon 2 is great. I, honestly, the Switch has just been killing it. Um, so like it's, it's, it's between Splatoon 2 and Breath of the Wild. Uh, I, I like, all my all my my indie stuff. I've been like catching up on older things, I guess, mm-hmm. or like playing things that are like early access. Like I was, I was playing like Oxygen Not Included. Uh, there's like some a really small game I picked up called uh, Tormentor X Punisher that's super fun. Like maybe not like game of the year fun, but like it's a really fun shoot 'em yeah. up. It's from like it's from one of the guys who worked on um, Hyperlight Drifter. That game's awesome. I like literally just picked up Nidhogg two today. It's so good. Man, I love Nidhogg, but like it looks so weird. But, oh, like, you'll I got get used over to it. You'll get used quick, to it. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it's a goofy yeah, look to, to it, it, but I'm kind of now way too into the look of that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Flint Hook. Flint Hook was always awesome. That was a sleeper. Like as far as like roguelikes are concerned. Did you play? Did you play Dead Cells yet? Oh, Dead Cells. Dead yeah, Cells also early access. But yeah. like, yo, that game is legit. That game is real good. Yeah. Yeah. This this games are man. It's it's been. <sighs> Like one thing I did that kind of sucks about stepping away from my own channel is that I don't have as much of an excuse to play games anymore. <laughs> but uh, I end up appreciating the games I spend my time with more. I think now, yeah. and they're kind of more like just for me. Like it's one thing I like about not really like streaming and whatnot is that all this stuff is mine. 
And, like, now I'm, like, working on making my own games whenever I'm not working on hardcore, like, in the off-season. Yeah. So, like, you know, it all goes around. Yeah. It all just goes in circles. It's all, you all, you put, you put your efforts where you want and those things inspire you and then it comes around and then you make another thing. I don't miss reviewing games in terms of having to play things and it feels like a job. Like, that was one yeah. of the harder things. Like, later GameSpot years when I was just, like, writing you kind of it was a few maybe two or three reviews a month or something like that it was when i was at that point it was like barely freelancer anymore i was just like regular uh and that's when it was just a little exhausting when you're just chugging mm-hmm. through a game you're playing it when you don't want to play it and that's when video games suck and i know that's like the biggest first world problem complaint to be like i had to play a game when i didn't want to play it but it just makes the actual enjoyment level of it just fall so far uh yeah but yeah thankfully i'm now at the point in my life where i'm able to play things for fun and also play them for the podcast like i played pyre and i'm talking to grekis often soon about oh pyre oh yeah so good i don't get to talk i haven't i haven't finished it yet you should i would love to talk to you about that game i i'm talking to him kind of about the development and the writing process of pyre in a couple of weeks and dude that's so awesome yeah like stuff like that with like i talked to the dead cells devs because i was just like completely in train like I, I fell in love with that game I'm like i need to talk to someone just to figure out how this happened and that game started out as a tower defense game which is a little what weird. yeah I'll, i will send you that podcast i will i'm not trying to self-promote Sweet. but there's a lot of weird shit that happened with that game uh last last thing what are you guys working on right now that you could talk about where can people find all of the videos that you guys produce and uh what's your twitter handle uh, so right now we are in the middle of, like, on the gameplay channel, we're in the, we're in the middle of, um, Hardcore Season 2 of, uh, Minecraft Mine Z. So it's kind of like Daisy, but it's all Minecraft. It's all one world that, that was created by these people who run this server. It's really interesting. It's very dramatic. Uh, and this season has been really good. Like, they're, the most recent episode was, like, people, like, the comments are just, like, best episode of Hardcore yet. And this is, like, a five-year series. So, yeah. um, definitely if you like show, like, if you want, if you want to watch a show that's not, like, not a Let's Play, but it's not, like, written, it's still, like, live, and it's not, and I don't, you know, we don't tamper with drama, it's just real people playing the game for fun, wrapped with some very, you know, take, taken seriously, uh, from an editing perspective, it's really good. I really recommend watching it, and I love working on it. Um, on the main channel, we are—I um, guess well, it's a, it's not, not that it's a secret, but you know we don't want to reveal stuff. But oh, come next on, I only accept on hot exclusives. Be... Please give me all of your hot exclusives. <laughs> next video should be super fun. It's gonna—it's—it's—it's it's, it's Mario related. I will say that. All right. Um, and I think that people, people, you know, people are gonna love it. They always love when we do these kinds of videos, and we've got some good stuff in the works on that um the main channel is peanut butter gamer on youtube gameplay channel is pb uh, pbg gameplay on youtube as well and then my personal handle on twitter is at toddly underscore enough like oddly enough with a t oh i get it now it all makes right? sense <laughs> yeah i know i was i was like i didn't i wanted to separate my my name from my old branding and i was yeah. like i can't just be todd <laughs> yeah and also well yeah there's like just so we were talking about how urls are impossible to find earlier mm-hmm. it's the exact same with like oh, twitter t- handles like thank god there's only one josiah Renaud out there that one was pretty easy to get gotta say yeah it's not the most i could do my name. last name but my last name's like it's too it's so german people are like i don't know how to type that i have no idea how many syllables i think it's two like i just it's say two. like you just go like yeah. burn like you just kind of yep. just all at once and you kind of have to say it like you're slurring your speech a little bit and that's usually yeah. how i think it works yep exactly people want to put a third syllable in the middle they want to go schlickenburn it's like there's no there's nothing there just trust just trust yeah i bet you've gotten a little bit <laughs> trust I, yourself 
I bet you've got a little bit of everything from that name. I'm yeah, in that same yeah, camp. Yeah, Someone called me Josiah Ronaldin the other day, and I almost walked out. I was like, I, <laughs> even, I don't even know what, what that means. It was like a business call, and I got that. And I'm like, it's not even remotely close. You didn't. You just looked at like the first letter of each name and yeah. just freelanced from there. You're like, ah, Josiah, <laughs> I hate everything. Uh, Todd, thanks so much for doing this. It's always cool, again, to Yo. see uh not just people i've worked with but you know people who i appreciate and think they do good work get recognized in a cool way and get these opportunities that again a lot of people would never even thought were possible but suddenly you have you're part of this youtube channel that's supporting you uh and i look forward to all the cool videos you put out in the future yes absolutely thank you and likewise my friend i'm so glad that this is like taken off because i think when you first started this i was like well now this is what he wants to do yeah. <laughs> there a was lot no of it, like yeah you know th- like sometimes like people you know as we talked about there's ventures where you're like i'm gonna try something i was like nah this is like he, if he could do this until he's was unable to talk he probably would <laughs> we're getting close after like 107 episodes my voice might be going uh yeah i've there been lucky enough that uh i always if I, everyone ever asked me and the reason it's really successful is nice people have been you know cool enough to give me an hour of their time a week to talk about bullshit and you know actually let me just drown like you know go on for hours and hours so i appreciate that yeah. appreciate all the people and again appreciate all the people who continue to listen and uh just recently got a bunch of new itunes reviews it's it's bizarre Ooh. to have i hate using this term fans um mm-hmm. and like regular listeners but maybe one of the most uh like just cool things to get emails from people uh i think people don't realize how much that means to creative people when suddenly you get an email that's like not asking for anything that's literally just like i appreciate what you do here's how you help me in this way and thank you and you're like oh my god you made my month like you have no idea it's a huge thing and not to keep continuing things, but it's like what we're talking about is figuring out what you want to do. And that requires examining, being very serious and saying, what do I want to do? Yep. What kind of impact do I want to make? And so when you finally are making something where you think I have a chance to have that impact, somebody reaching out to like someone reaching out to you and saying, hey, you had that impact is so validating. Yep. It is the energy that will keep you going and keep you make, taking risks keeping you like trying new things and like for you it's it's the people who say that stuff who get you to say you know what maybe i can ask someone bigger i can get a bigger guest i can go higher i can try and even if i if someone says no it doesn't mean that my show isn't working that's uh i would say right now that if you are someone who watches someone's content on a weekly or daily basis and it really maybe it's important to you maybe you're having a shitty week and suddenly you watch someone's video or listen to someone's podcast or read someone's work and it kind of turns things around for you uh i would try as hard as i can to find that person's email and let them know because you might be the reason that maybe they're about to quit what they were doing because they didn't think it had value and suddenly they realize like oh my god someone out here is actually like listening to this or watching this or looking at the stuff that I do and they really appreciate it and would be sad if it's gone. So that's always something that I try to do when possible. If there's someone I'm really uh, passionate about or someone's work Mm -hmm. who I really like, I mean, a lot of this podcast has been me inviting people on who I've read and listened to or watched all my life. And it's, you know, it's validating for me and awesome to talk to those people. So yeah, if you're out there, email those people. I promise they would love it. They're going to, they're going to read it. And yes. even if they don't respond, I promise that shit means so much. I try to respond to all that stuff. Cause it's like, it means so damn much. Uh, absolutely. So yeah. So thank you again, Todd. Uh, thank you. Absolutely. And thanks everyone for listening. Uh, and hopefully tune back in for the next episode of the 1099.